What's right, going on, no, guys? No. Oh, you... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go again. <laughs> Alright. My name is Al De Niro, and welcome to episode 57 of the Midnight Hour. I'm joined today by Luce Moore. Hello. And Tom Cruise. Hello. <laughs> He's method acting as Luce Moore. Um, yeah, it's just myself and Luce Moore today, and our topic is lifestyles of the rich and the famous, because it's probably the best Good Charlotte song. Um... You know, it's one of those. The only one, isn't it? It's from a great album. Like the Madden Brothers stepped up and delivered. You know, uh, Joel's crooning vocals over Benji's sick guitar riff and the undeniable drum loop. That, yeah, <laughs> lots of vomit. Um, I had a good Charlotte poster when I was younger. Oh wow! I fucking hate myself. Fresh out of jail, California dreaming Soon as I step on the scene, I'm hearing hoochie screaming Fainting for money and alcohol The life of a West Side player with Calista And a strong ball Only in Cali will we riot, not rally to live and die In LA we wear chucks, not valleys Yeah, that's right Dressed in lopes and khaki suits and ride is what we do Flossing but have caution, we collide with other troops Famous because we throw jams Worldwide, let them recognize from Long Beach and Rosecrans Bumping and grinding like a slow jam It's West Side can stop me um yeah like it's kind of i've been thinking a lot lately about how fucked up it is that celebrities exist and how dramatically different their life is to ours when they're not really that different and it's really weird uh, and it's just been sort of going round and round in my head like all of these crazy stories that celebrities do and crazy things that happen to celebrities and how entertaining it all is but how when you take a step back how kind of just fucked up it all is that it all just happens and we just kind of shrug and go like eh whatever um i think it was brought on by the recent um the hulk hogan thing um so like gawker our uh, publication who um they leaked hulk hogan's sex tape they made it public they were ordered by a judge to take it down in 2013 and they outright refused they said they absolutely will not and they were sued by Hogan in a trial which ended the other day and Hulk Hogan was awarded 115 million dollars uh, which Gawker uh, have to pay him and it's pretty fucked up but like in a way I'm quite happy for Hulk Hogan as as much as it as weird as that is for me, because he seems like... By because all... Hulkamania can run wild once again. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> like, he is definitely a despicable human being. Um, we know this because he is a racist, and he straight up admitted to being a racist. 
Um, but I think that there's a huge level of hypocrisy by Gawker to um, to like outright, you know, vilify everybody involved in the the Jennifer Lawrence hacking, which I agree with. Like that was an absolutely despicable thing that happened to her. But then at the same time, laugh at when it happens to Hulk Hogan. I just don't see how that adds up in their heads, and I don't see how that's fair. And uh, for that reason, I'm happy for Hulk Hogan, and I'm happy that the standard is the same for both genders, because I don't see why it wouldn't be. Like, I just don't really see a world. I know there's lots of guys who were like, oh, give me a hundred million, and, and I'll do it. Yeah, but like, shut your face. That's not how the world works. Um, <laughs> so yeah, Hulk Hogan. Uh, did you know that he attended trial every day wearing black, as you would when you're going to trial, but he wore a black bandana. <laughs> yeah, well, of course. I'm just not. Su- I'm just surprised it wasn't his like NWO attire. You know what I mean? I'm amazed that like he, like he consciously got up that morning and was like, "Oh, gotta go to trial, brother. I need to dress <laughs> smartly, brother." And like he, he no, I, I imagine he left the house without the bandana, and as he got on the drive and got in his car, like his wife or his son or somebody was like, "Uh, dead." <laughs> <laughs> he like he has a drawer full of bandanas and you yeah. just know that they're all different styles and yeah. they're all for different occasions and stuff. Yeah. That I like forgot your you forgot your you forgot your bandana for like you know <laughs> for today. Like he has Monday's bandana, then he has Tuesday's bandana. But then within those right like days of bandanas, he must have different styles, surely. It's uh, <sighs> Like, I, I, I know it, it, it's an odd thing to say based on the fact that he wears a bandana, but, like, he is so far out of touch with reality <laughs> that it's actually dangerous. Like, this is a guy who, um, he says things about himself that it's, like, it's as if he saw, like, the... You remember when the Chuck Norris quotes were huge? Like, the Chuck mm-hmm. Norris facts, I mean. Like, Chuck Norris, blah, 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 blah. That's not a good example. Can you even remember one? Chuck Norris doesn't sleep. He waits. That kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's like Hulk Hogan saw those and was like, yeah, that's a fact. And also, that applies to me. But don't you think he's forgotten, like, he's not Hulk Hogan. That was a character that he became. Do you know what I mean? He's almost become the character of Hulk Hogan. Like, he's not yeah, that, whatever like, he used to be. Like, Terry Balio, or whatever his name is. Ebola. Uh, Ebola, Terry Ebola. <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, like, he's not, he's become the character. Like, he is not the other guy anymore. Yeah, he's... it's actually, like, one of one of the main themes, I think, of this episode will be how um, out-of-touch celebrities are because of the platform that they're put on, or because of the pedestal that they're put on. Um, and I think, like, that's never been more true, like, of Hulk Hogan. Like, he was built up as the big guy in the company. He, he had the WWE, no, sorry, the WWF, championship for a long time and he was a global phenomenon and he helped um to make the sport popular like he sort of was wrestling for a good 12 years maybe in there like he he well i don't think he was wrestling for the entire 12 years but he was a fucking superstar globally um and he had this whole thing like he was saving america he was helping the children he was a working class hero and all this stuff like that was his character and he has decided that that's what he is i I think if you tell yourself that you are something for a lot like a certain amount of time it just becomes true in your head like this is a man who said that he once had the chance to join metallica 
And he said that Lars Ulrich asked Hulk Hogan in the early days to join Metallica. Like, and Hulk Yeah, Hogan. but that's like, you're at a party, Metallica are there, you're joking, you're having a good time, they're like, oh look, there's Hogan over there. Like, you know, <laughs> you should join Metallica. So they go up to Hogan and say, hey Hulk, want to join Metallica? And then they go off back and they start giggling, because it's hilarious. No, no one would want Hulk Hogan to join Metallica, but then Hulk Hogan, because he's Hulk Hogan, thinks, "Yes, I could be in Metallica." I don't like, I don't like talking about wrestling on the podcast because I know not everyone likes it, right? But back in the day, there was WWF and then there was WCW, and WCW started gaining like huge momentum, and uh, they were signing guys left, right, and center from WWF, and they they took some of their greatest superstars and stuff. Um, but one of the things WCW did better than WWF at the time was build up their own guys like Goldberg and Sting. Um, and they had this incredible uh, pool of technical wrestlers that was way better than the WWF at the time. But you'd have these matches like, um, say, like Dean Malenko against Chris Benoit, who are two just amazing technical wrestlers putting on this amazing show. And um, Hulk Hogan had this thing in his contract where he basically decided everything. He had full control over his own storylines and his own TV time. So he was basically the thing that the show was built around because he still had that pulling power at the time. But because of that, in WCW, you would have like Benoit against Malenko and they would cut from the match and go backstage to see like Hulk Hogan taking a shit or something. like. <laughs> and it just ruined... The actual show, yeah. like, so bad. It's so annoying. And, like, he he also said... He said some ludicrous things in the last while. Like, he's sort of coming out with quotes now where it's almost like he is absolutely trying to Chuck Norris himself a legacy. Like, he's trying to make a Chuck Norris-type legacy. Like, for example, he said that he once worked 400 days in one year. Like, yeah, I mean, he, that's... He said that he slept with triplets... And they were all different colors. <laughs> I mean, this like he he claims to have had a foursome with three sisters who were all different ethnicities. I like you can't really deal with a guy who is that far out of touch with reality. And like this is all sincere. Like this is him. Yeah, brother. Oh yeah, brother. What you gonna do, brother? Yeah. Like, yeah. He's also said that he fought George Foreman in a boxing match. Mm-hmm. and okay. most recently claimed that he was asked in the early days of the promotion to join the UFC. <laughs> like, Well, I, he, he would get them with his 24-inch pythons, obviously. Yeah, that's... Can yeah. you imagine, Hulk? Can you imagine, like, a superstar less suited for UFC? Like, with his glamour muscles and his inability to actually move around. Like, he must be the least fluid fighter in WWF history like mm. his moves like his move set consisted of the big boot the f- punch and the leg drop and yeah. like the scoop slam or whatever and that was pretty much oh, it oh but you're forgetting like when he does the punch and then he points like the point the point was a move in itself wasn't it the oh point. yeah absolutely yeah it's like the it's like the John Cena thing where one of his moves is waving his hand in front of his face and yeah. declaring you can't see me which yeah. is presumably because his hand is in front of his face, or I don't know how that's supposed to work. Yeah. But, I mean, uh, uh, he, he waves it quite vigorously, though, so, I mean, you could theoretically still see a great portion of his face through <laughs> the fingers that are going. So I really don't get it. I mean, that's by the by. I mean. The, um, the, the, like, another example of Hulk Hogan being so far out of touch, I think, was recently, uh, what was it, like a year ago, or maybe a little bit less than a year ago, where... 
um, I think it was TMZ were like, oh yeah, Hulk Hogan's a massive racist and we've got the footage to prove it. Um, mm. And the footage has never actually been made public, but it's alleged that he said some really obscene things. So I'm presuming that he said like, you know, the, the absolute obscene, um, the worst racist thing that you can say. He probably said something like that. And like when asked about it, he was like, yeah, I mean, like, I, 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 I guess I'm a racist. <laughs> and it's just like, that's just so like, he's definitely just a 60 year old dad. Like, that's such a fucking like, yeah, like, I don't see why that's wrong. You know, I just happen yeah. to have racist opinions, yeah. you know, it's, it's not like. The thing is, he probably started it with, well, they come over here and they're stealing my jobs. And, uh, <laughs> and it's like, okay, yeah, you're a racist. I mean, yeah. And then, like, one of the greatest things ever was, like, people tweeting him, like, someone tweeted him a picture of Drake and Rio Ferdinand and said, me and my dad know that you're not a racist. And he retweeted it and stuff like that. Like, he just has no fucking idea. Yeah. I mean, the problem is, like, I mean, I expect, you would expect someone of that notoriety to know who Drake is, but I guess maybe because like he is a sixty-five-year-old man or however old he is, so maybe he just doesn't. He is lost. Not only is he a celebrity and he's lost touch with reality, but he's like a sixty-five-year-old father who doesn't like. He probably doesn't even know how to use a phone, let alone. Yeah, it's there's something really like um, he kind of in some ways reminds me of Ozzy Osbourne, and I think it's in the way that. Him and Ozzy both had reality TV shows about their their families and stuff, didn't they? Yeah, they did, yeah. And they both sort of, like, made a big thing about how out of touch with reality they both were. And what I find interesting about both of them is that I'm fairly sure that they don't have, like, publicists, like, looking after them. No. Because they have this sort of freedom to say obscene things. But I think they're both, like, positioned in the this sort of subset of superstardom where it's so carnivalesque that no one in the mainstream is going to get particularly riled up about it. But everybody in their little subgenre of superstardom is going to like, like Ozzy Osbourne is very sort of far removed from like central mainstream stuff. Like he's not a huge mainstream singer. He's, you know, specifically known as, like, metal or rock. Yeah. And I think Hulk Hogan in wrestling, like, sure, he's done movies or whatever, but they're all garbage. Like, wrestling is such a carnival fucking... Thing, like, yeah. It's such a... Like, he, he, yeah, he, like, the late 80s, early 90s, he was, like, he, like, the, like, the rock is now. Like, everyone pretty much knows who the rock is now, but it's not because of wrestling anymore, it's because... Yeah. He's the guy in the movies. Like, it's the same with Hulk now. Like, no one... Back then, they probably knew him because he was Hulk Hogan. He was the guy in some movies, and he also wrestled a bit. But then now, he's just Hulk Hogan, the guy who used to be a wrestler, and now... It's now... Now it's like Hulk Hogan, like, the gimmick that won't die. Kind of. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Whereas, yeah. Like, with, like, John Cena has definitely penetrated the mainstream in some capacity. But it's not really because he's a wrestler. It's because he's a really, really nice guy, and, like... Because he's so hated by a lot of wrestling fans that there's this meme that John Cena wins, lol. And, like, it's it's not really that he's captivated the hearts and minds of so many people. Um, because I think wrestling has, like, looped around to some kind of reality TV thing itself. But, like, John Cena is definitely perfectly in touch with reality and stuff. And John Cena definitely has the right people around him saying the right things to him. To is keep that him. because he's John Cena? Like, 
because he's John, because literally he's John Cena. It's... Like that's literally who he is. Yeah, you know I mean? <laughs> that's yeah. Although I, I'd like to hope that he's not like he doesn't go around like battle rapping people on the street, no, and yeah. stuff like that. But um, I actually saw a great tweet once from some rapper. I, I don't even remember who it was, and he was saying how like wrestling is shit, and someone replied with John Cena outsold you. <laughs> John Cena's rap album sold over one point four million. Jesus. Yeah, it's mental. Probably the biggest rap album of the last ten years, or whatever, and it? <laughs> it's pretty big. It's yeah. it's it's not like Drake level, but uh, no. should we talk about uh, Donald Trump? Be- uh, because he he is in the Wrestling Hall of Fame. Well, and he's a celebrity. He's not a politician. He has no political background, which is is. Yeah, he's he's definitely like getting a little bit terrifyingly close to uh, politician status, though. Yeah. Um, have you recently his uh, transcript with the meeting he had with the Washington Post was published? I don't know if you happened to see it. I, I think it was literally like today that it was published. No, I haven't seen it today. No, we're uh, we're talking on when uh, is today Tuesday? Tuesday, the twenty second of March, two thousand and sixteen. <laughs> For those who will <laughs> listen to the podcast years from now. <laughs> This is how we did it back in 2016. Yeah. You guys should all be listening to this on Good Friday, but, like, they're all Good Fridays to me. Yeah. I don't discriminate. <laughs> but, uh... So... Or Bad Fridays. No, there's a Black Friday. But uh, that's only bad because lots of people crowd supermarkets and shopping centers. Yeah. Um, what do you make of Donald Trump, Lucemore? Uh As a human being or uh, an entrepreneur... Uh, both. I I think he's pretty good at being the latter because he's made quite a lot of money. Well, he, uh, he did um, have a modest loan of one million dollars. Yeah. Which which no, a small loan, didn't he? He said that his father gave him a small loan of one million dollars, which right away, boom, out of touch with reality. Yeah. Well, I mean, to be fair, in in like contrast to the money that his father had, it's a small loan for him. Yeah, it's, it's going from nothing to a million dollars isn't small, I guess. But uh, I mean, as a human being, yeah, he's he's just he's really just the Lex Luthor of real life, isn't he? <laughs> he's or, dreadful. Yeah, he's like a wrestling heel. Like he actually um, the fact that he is in the the, the the WWE Hall of Fame just is perfect, really, because he's in there because uh, he. I really don't know why. But <laughs> I know each day they induct a celebrity, don't they? Well, yeah, they they have a tendency to do that. Yeah, and then of course, but he is the biggest. But like, you obviously in wrestling you have the face and you have the heel. But he like is the world's biggest heel, isn't he? Like he's just he in wrestling and um, pantomime shows and things of that nature. Uh, there is a designated character that says blatantly obscene things to draw booze from the crowd. Yeah, like, so it's basically so the crowd or whoever's watching, if it's a TV show or whatever, you know who the bad guy is. Yeah, it, it's like in The Walking Dead, like the bad guy is the guy that wants to kill all the good guys for seemingly no reason other than yeah. the fact that they're good. Um, and they don't know that they're the bad guy but their whole thing is, look at me, this is how I think, and it's the opposite to what you think. Yeah. And Donald Trump does that like no other person I have ever seen. Like, 
he just says all of the wrong things all of the time. And even though he draws an outrageous backlash, he attracts ridiculous amounts of fans. And I don't know how. I, I, I read this um, thing recently about how it, at, at a Trump rally, you have like uh, Mexicans standing next to KKK members and stuff. But the one thing they all have in common is that they want to piss someone off, like they want to get revenge on someone. And I guess Donald Trump is sort of this ultimate anti-establishment figure. But it's not even like it's not anti-establishment in the sense that you would imagine. Like I think Bernie Sanders is anti-establishment. Donald Trump is more like. Um, Something that you would find in like a third world country where he's like, look at me, I'm strong. I'm going to lead from the front. Like, mm. I'm I'm a strong guy. You need to vote for me. We need to be great again. Like, they're laughing at us in other countries and we need to stop that. We need to be tough on crime. We need to clamp down on this. We need to allow more guns. If I was in any situation and some guy came up to me and started shooting innocent people around me, I would definitely take out my gun and I would kill him and stuff. And like, these are all things that he said. Like... Well, is, is it, uh, there's the whole thing where he's like, that somebody threw something at him, didn't he? And then and he condoned like beating the guy, like beating the guy up or whatever. And if he, he was like saying, if that guy does it again, like go kick his ass or something like that. And you just think, well, or, yeah, or okay. something like, but where I come from, that guy wouldn't live to like and stuff like that. And the whole, yeah, uh, it, it's really like. Well, I, do, was... I don't I mean I don't know wh- where I come from. It's such a weird thing. Like you didn't. Like, you're not from the Bronx. Like, you didn't suddenly <laughs> rise up. It's that whole thing, nothing. though, isn't it? Of of uh, conservatism, where it's just like... And I don't mean... Like, I know a lot of conservatives are good. Like I, I mean, like, you have this whole notion that things were simpler and better before, in the before time. Like, before multiculturalization and, like, before um, everyone started coming in and, and places started to lose their identity and, and stuff like yeah. that. Like, where I come from, it's an eye for an eye. Like, you knew your place back when I was younger. If someone stole something, then they got their hand cut off or whatever. Like, that's, that's the kind of thing that yeah. he seems if to advocate. Stole, uh, if you stole something, you'd get hanged in the square. Yeah. If that's not happened for 150 years. You're, you're a 60-year-old man. Uh, but that's what's wrong with this society. We need to toughen people up and stuff like that. Like, that that's what he says all the time. He, he's, yeah. he seems completely oblivious to the fact that there is an underclass that are being oppressed and stuff like that. Like, he doesn't know any of that because he he's privileged. I did read a story about him once that um, apparently when he was in his early 20s, he was being brought to, um, like, his dad made his money in property, didn't he? Just like yeah. Donald did. Um, and his dad would take Donald to all of his, like, meetings with... Uh, people who were building his properties and people he was buying his properties from and things like that. And every now and then he'd let Donald make a call. Like, what what, what would you do in this situation? And every time Donald Trump did something wrong, his dad would completely just belittle him for it and, like, laugh and, like, say to all his colleagues, like, oh, th- Donald thinks that we should do this. <laughs> and then they'd all start laughing. And, like, that really humanizes Donald Trump to me. Like, it, it's just... His whole thing about wanting to appear as though he's strong and he wants to extract revenge. But then didn't didn't uh, didn't Donald Trump then kill his dad in front of his mother? That's and, correct. And then become the kingpin, isn't that? Isn't yeah, it? that's right. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly what happened before the Devil of Hell's Kitchen. <laughs> yeah, but it, it, it's like it's just the whole thing is that he's just he's really just an insecure, like sad little scrotum-faced boy, and yeah. that's just with a weird toupee thing. 
Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm going to do a Donald Trump's top five tweets one day. Have oh, you seen his amazing. Twitter? Like, one of one of his tweets is, um, Obama is without question the worst ever president. I predict he will now do something really bad and totally stupid to show manhood. It's like, what does that even mean? That's like the vaguest thing. Yeah. And then, like, Obama will do something, like he'll be delivering a speech and he'll mess up a word, and Donald Trump will be like, See? Yep. <laughs> he, he, um... He advocated, like, uh, the banning of all flights from Africa during the Ebola outbreak. Mm. Like, there was one American affected with Ebola. One American. And it was someone who was bravely overseas treating people during the outbreak. And, like, the outbreak of Ebola was in, what, four countries? In the entire fucking continent of Africa. And Donald Trump was like, yeah, ban all the flights from this entire continent. But he's, like, the king of, like, outrage, isn't he? Oh, like, it's unbelievable. Yeah. But then there's so many people who uh, will uh, asphyxiate with that style. That just, the fact that, oh, like, if like something happens with, like, terror, like today with the Brussels thing, I'm sure he'll be up for, like, banning any Belgians coming into the country or whatever. Oh, but no, there'll he... be people who will just be like, yeah, ban all the Belgians. And you just think, what? No, he, he straight away, straight away, when the news was breaking, tweeted, I've been more right about terrorism than anybody else. I know what I'm talking about. Um, and he, I believe, has since advocated the closing of the borders and uh, yeah. stuff like that. In fact, another person who's massively out of touch with reality is that Katie Hopkins woman. Um, yeah. like to move away from old white guys this girl she she <laughs> tweeted um, anyone who said welcome refugees and let them in you are responsible for the Brussels attacks that's what she said she like this like don't you just read that and think that that absolutely has to be an act a gimmick a troll yeah that's no that cannot be someone's opinion like but it no, is but like, she knows that she makes money off that that's how yeah. she makes money don't you think that so whether she believes that or not that's how she ultimately makes money because people will book her for interviews afterwards they'll book her for columns they'll she'll make money from that but don't whether you she think... genuinely believes that or not she probably does because she seems like a sociopath don't you but... think it will loop back around to the hogan playing his gimmick and becoming his gimmick thing where people like that that's how they make money so like you have to believe it at some point yeah yeah well it, it's it, it, it like the um, george costanza on seinfeld like said something along the lines of uh if you believe it enough it will become true or something like that uh, like essentially, that's that's essentially yeah. Like these, all of these people, while well, like we'll discuss today, kind of have that in there. Like they, yeah, if you believe you've had enough in what you're saying or what you uh, uh, think people want to hear, that becomes ultimately what you then think and yeah. the truth. And if you're struggling with that concept, think about the fact that people are booking you and uh, people are calling you all the time to say like we want to do this interview with you and, and all of these people are asking you to be interviewed in response to the one thing that you did right yeah. so you have to come up with new ways of not rationalizing but explaining that without it being a monotonous drum that you're banging so that you don't seem like a one trick pony so in your mind you're constantly trying to come up with ways to explain what you're saying and sound convincing at the same time, and you just convince yourself. Like, you you are 
turning your brain into something that's rationalizing exactly what you're trying to say. And that's what creates that. That's how that happens. And I think Katie Hopkins is probably that. I don't think Donald Trump is that. I, I think he is just actually just an out of control, crazy guy who has had way too much money for way too long that he, like, there's no saving him. He, he genuinely believes he can do anything because he's had so yeah, because he's had so much money for so long. And ultimately, no one tells him no. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? He's never had in his life, probably, obviously his early years, I imagine he was told no, but even then, it was no, you can't do it. It was a case of no, that's stupid. Yeah, that, yeah, exactly. No, that's stupid. Not no, that's no, don't do that. Or no, you can't. No, not. Yeah, it's no, that's stupid. No, you can't do that. Or here's why he, what you're doing is wrong. Yeah. It's, so therefore now in his later years, he's just done whatever the fuck he likes and he can do whatever the fuck he likes yeah. because he has money. And then um, to flip it round uh, and talk about the only person that I ever want to talk about. Kanye, um, yeah. there are celebrities, and, and this is a mindset that uh, I think I'm going to do an entire episode about someday. Um, there's a mindset amongst certain people who have just obscene amounts of talent. Um, I think Conor McGregor, uh, Kanye, the likes of, say, Cristiano Ronaldo come to mind, where they say that they are the best, and therefore they are the best. You know what I mean? Yeah. Apart from Ronaldo, who is... <laughs> not the best um i just threw that in there because people will get mad but um (laughs) like if you convince yourself of that and you have any amount of talent that like uh supersedes just the average level at at whatever level that they're at like you will become it like and conor mcgregor says that all the time about following your dreams and how like just don't give up and as long as you're like he really respects that in other people as well like i've seen him say in interviews and stuff i find him like really really fascinating there's something about him that like i kind of feel conflicted as to whether or not i should like conor mcgregor because he's so sort of rough and brutal at times but then other times he's so articulate and like genuine that I don't... He's like a combination of Liam and Noel Gallagher into one person. I don't know. I think but, um, that, yeah, it's, I think that whole Muhammad Ali thing, isn't it? Yeah. Um, convince, you know... He, he, he obviously had enough talent to back up what he was saying, and that's crucial, I think. Otherwise, you, we, everyone would just think it weird. But the likes of Kanye and Conor McGregor, everyone latches onto them in a sort of like... Because they are so talented, and then they're giving off this uber amount of confidence. Yeah. Uh, you know. What I love about Kanye is the way he will just behave like an absolute spoiled child, and that's what makes the headlines. Like, we're going to listen to this interview, right? I am the number one most impactful artist of our generation. I am Shakespeare in the flesh. Walt Disney, Nike, Google... Now, who's going to be the Medici family and stand up and let me create more? Or do you want to marginalize me till I'm out of my moment? Or why don't you empower yourself and don't hmm. need them and do it yourself? How, fact, Tway? You take a few steps back to go. You ain't got the answers, man. You ain't got the answers. You ain't got the answers. You ain't got the answers, Sway. Kanye. I've been doing this more than you. That is like, he's not even looking at Sway. No. When he's talking. Like, he's jumping out of his seat like a fucking little kid who is just, like, kicking and screaming and absolutely not going to listen to anything that that guy has to say. Like, he's completely in some kind of zone there. Like, there's no talking to him. He's just fucking convinced that he's right in everything that he's saying. And, like, I know that the cynics will say, oh, he knows exactly what he's doing. He's doing it for publicity and stuff. Like, he hasn't a fucking notion. He's just 
saying exactly what he thinks is the truth right there. Like, that's a stream of consciousness that he... I don't even think he's in control of himself when he starts talking like that. I think I think there is a certain, like, the Katie Hopkins thing. Like, there are certain celebrities, they know they'll say certain things or sell certain things. That's how they make their money. That's just a fact. Yeah. But, like, yeah, with Kanye, it's, sometimes it borders on to, like, he probably believes what he's saying. Yeah. Yeah. He definitely does. Like, he thinks yeah. that he's, he's unbelievable. And, like, when he says it in that context, right, he is the most hateable person on the planet. Like, how could you not hate... What? How could you not hate everything about what he's How could doing? you not hate the guy who thinks he's as good as Nike and Google? Yeah, I mean, come on. Just do yeah. it. <sighs> yeah. No contest. Yeah. But then listen to this one. All we want is a real shot. Not, okay, I'm a celebrity, so that means my line has to cost $10 a t-shirt. No, I understand about quality. I understand about fabrics. I spent 10,000 hours at this. I dedicated my life to this. Then a lot of people say, okay, well, you know, Oh, you have to do music. I'm going to keep doing music, but what if people told me I couldn't rap? What would have happened? What if people told me I couldn't perform? You know, I'm only 36 years old. I have other goals and other things, and I'm going to use my platform, every platform, to stand up and say, I want to make something. I want to make the next Ralph Lauren. And I'm, I'm, that was the point of the Zayn interview. They say people don't stand up and protect their dreams. People are too scared of getting, you know, spoofed in a way. And the irony of it is so many people that are creatives, think about a creative person in school. When you picture them, you're probably picturing them all the way in the back of the class, sketching or maybe getting beat up. And I'm the one creative. And this is the reason why I went on stage. This is the reason why I did this. Because creatives have got beat up my entire life. And there's moments where I stood up to drug dealers in Chicago and said, you can't have my publishing come and kill me do whatever you're going to do but you're not going to bully me you're not going to stop me because my mother made me believe in myself no matter how many people tell me stop believing in yourself stop saying what you can do stop affirming what you're going to do and then and then completing that in real life that's the improper way to do it I refuse to follow those rules that society has set up in the way that they control people with low self-esteem, with improper information, with branding, with marketing. I refuse to follow those rules. It's about truth. It's about information. It's about awesomeness. And the only luxury is time, the time you spend with your family. That's the only luxury. So this concept of luxury is, is improper to me. How fucking great is that? It's amazing, yeah. How can you dislike that? I know, yeah. Now he is that guy as well, though, isn't he? He's that. Yeah. He's the sort of like he could be a motivational guy. He could stand in. He wouldn't need to be a celebrity. He could just be at like AA meetings and like motivating alcoholics or like. I think a, like. I, think... I mean, he could pretty much do anything he wants to do because he believes in himself so much. I think he's one of the most interesting people in the world to me because like that interview that he did there that we just listened to was in response to him going absolutely ballistic and they were like all right well come and explain yourself then and then he comes in this really like in, like really passionate really articulate um controlled speech on what he believes in and stuff and i don't think there's an artist that has said more about self-confidence and self-belief than kanye like you, you just don't really pick it up when you just skim the surface because you see an arrogant entitled uh, like spoiled guy which he is all of those things but he's also someone who absolutely believes in in just self-belief and motivation and determination and stuff but what i was hinting to earlier was that he's just quite clearly very far out of touch that he thinks people are going to respond to him going ballistic and stuff 
And then when he comes back and says, like, oh, people want to ignore me and people want to shut me out and marginalize me and stuff, it's like, it's because you carry yourself the way that you do. It's because you don't control yourself most of the time. It, like, it, you are actually a bit over the top sometimes. Yeah. You know? Uh, and, yeah, I, I think I massively understated that. He's very fucking <laughs> intense at times. And, like, people just don't respond to that. Like, people will pick and choose the one outrageous thing that he says and publicize it and be like, oh, this is all Kanye ever does and stuff. Like, people don't see the good stuff. And that's because he's so far out of touch with reality that he's completely harmed himself, like, in that sense, you know? Yeah. He's just... No, he's a fascinating, fascinating person. I, I think what I like about him is that he's just very, very, very honest about his, like, sort of mental position, like... You know, like, he knows when he's being crazy and stuff. Yeah. Although, I do wonder sometimes, like, <laughs> reading his Twitter feed and stuff. It's like, what are you doing? Yeah, but the problem is, you give him, uh, you know, like, the four-minute interview, that the length of this interview, you give him four minutes to speak his mind, to say, actually, uh, you know, say things. But then when you have to, like, uh, shorten it to tweets or 140 characters, to try and, like, whatever he's got on his mind... Like to to squash that down into like a, a, a minute form of text probably is weird for him. So then when it comes out in in a tweet, it's probably just in block capitals <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> with yeah. smoke coming out of his keyboard. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Right, um, should we talk about Nicolas Cage? Uh, yeah, from one uh, really out of touch. <laughs> yep. To another. Yeah, Nick Nick Cage is is fantastic. And people think that because Nicolas Cage was in movies like Leaving Las Vegas and, say, the likes of even Con Air and stuff, like, I mean, like, those are good movies in, in their respective genres and stuff like that. Um, you might think that Nicolas Cage being insane is a new thing, but no. Um, we watched this interview with Nicolas Cage before we came live on the air on the Midnight Hour. Yeah. Uh, with uh, uh, Terry Wogan. Do you want to describe what happens at the start? Uh, he he comes on. He 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 runs on, doesn't he? Onto the stage, yeah. Onto the stage uh, from the back. The widest grin on his face because he's Nick Cage. Obviously, I don't think he has like a weird. He doesn't do normal faces. That's why there's so many memes. Yeah. Because he doesn't do normal. Like just. He's he's wearing a leather jacket with no t-shirt on underneath it. That yeah, and then he for is it does he forward roll? Yeah, does a for does a does a forward roll, and then and then starts doing like karate kicks. It was an almost. It was a somersault that was almost botched, wasn't it? It was. Sort it was. Of a, it was kind of a somersault that then it was botched and then turned into a forward roll. Yep. Yeah, and there then karate kicks, maybe three or four karate kicks, <laughs> and then he just started throwing money into the crowd. <laughs> This is in 1992. Nicolas Cage on the Terry Wogan show. This is a chat show. It's like him appearing on, like, Jonathan Ross. Graham Norton or something. Yeah. And he comes... He's like, oh my god. Like, this guy is just absolutely fucking mental. Like, some of the things that he does as well... Have you heard about that book that he's trying to write about his acting style? In which he mimics, like, the movements of a fucking octopus or something like that. (laughs) 
No. Well, oh, it's I... true. It's a true thing. He he genuinely believes in this acting style. Like, it's a technique that he's developed himself, which nobody's gonna argue with. Of course, of course. Yeah. <laughs> it's called. He he has he has another technique uh, called something like uh, it's something like Novu Mania, uh, Novu Shamaniac or something. Um, it, it's like a an African sort of technique that he. Obviously, because he's a very like culturally um, like oh, profound yeah. man. Um, but he it, it was on the set of um, oh, I want to say Daredevil. Uh, what's the one he was in with Eva Mendes and Ghost Rider? Yeah, Ghost Rider, uh, where he wore some like absolutely fucking mental ghost mask and just walked around on the set with that, behaving like ghost rider like when ghost rider is ghost rider if you know what i mean it is devil incarnation yeah yeah, and he was going around like just acting like a fucking lunatic and like when asked about it he was like yeah like today you do something like that and people think you're crazy (laughs) (laughs) that's because you're crazy yeah there's one thing i guess like you know when like daniel day lewis becomes like lincoln Mm. and then off the set uh, like for the ten minutes in between sh- shots or an hour between shots, he's still Lincoln. Yeah, that's that's kind of fair enough. Like it's hard to get into the mindset of another human being. Or how Tom Han- Tom Hanks got AIDS in real life to play the guy in Philadelphia. <laughs> no, he got lost on the island as well. In um, yeah, Tom that's... Hanks is really committed to his roles. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, he got lost on the island in Wilson. It was more of like a documentary. Slash mockumentary, mockumentary, mm-hmm. yeah, but yeah, yeah, but like uh, Daniel Day Lewis would become Lincoln, and then Offset, he would still be kind of Lincoln because it's hard to get back into like it's Lincoln is a real person, has people know how he speaks, know what he looks like, etc., etc. No one knows what the Ghost Rider, the Ghost Ghost Rider isn't a real thing. You don't have to become Ghost Rider. There is no like other version of Ghost Rider that you have to like adhere to. <laughs> yeah. Um, you don't have to stay in character as Ghost Rider. He's just insane. Did you know that um, to prepare for the role in Untouchables, this is going to sound like one of your made-up facts, right? But I, I swear to you, this is absolutely true. Um, is it about Sean Connery? No, it's uh, Robert De Niro. Um, oh. He was playing Al Capone. And yeah. he wore... In the 1920s in America, the upper echelons of society would wear silk underwear. And Robert De Niro wore silk underwear to prepare for the role of uh, of um, Big... Al Capone. Wow. Isn't that crazy? That's mental. But it's not Nicolas Cage ghost head. Like, he stabbed, like, three interns on the set or something. Probably. I don't know. I made that up, but, like... <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, nah, he definitely didn't do that. Um, he's immortal. That's the true fact. Yeah, that's but, um... true. Have you heard about, um, you know, the way Nicolas Cage is bankrupt? Yeah. Like, th- there's a reason that Nicolas Cage is in every fucking awful movie. And well, there's, 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 you know about the whole thing that he's, like, he's, like, obsessed with Elvis to the point where he, like, married Elvis's daughter. <laughs> really? I didn't even know that. Yeah. And they were married for, like, not very long. And then she probably thought, really, I'm just married to Nicolas Cage because you're obsessed with, um, yeah, with Elvis. Can you imagine that? Like... What do you see in me? So tell me about your dad. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It, it seems like a like a weird family guy, like the sketch. Or something. Yeah, yeah. He, so um... tell me more about your dad. What um when I look at when you, when you look into my eyes, what do you see? Um, 
<laughs> so, Nicolas Cage, why did your wife leave you? I don't know, but all I know is I just checked into the Heartbreak Hotel. Yeah. Ugh. You, did you he's know, also, by the way? He's also a really big... Oh, he's obviously did the Box Superman movie as well, but he's like a big Superman fan. I think... Is it... I think it's Russell Crowe. Not Russell Crowe, shit. Nicolas Cage. <laughs> I'm think, I always think Russell Crowe. Like, Russell Crowe's always on my mind. Yeah, that is the truest thing you've um, ever said. But no, Nick Cage, like, named his son Kal-El or something. I think that's Nick Cage. I could be wrong. Nicholas Cage have, like, a famous... Uh, like, he's from an acting family or something, isn't he? Yeah, or... the, um... Oh, he changed his name, though. It's the Coppola's. I think he's, like, you know, Francis Ford Coppola. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, he's like the nephew or something like that. Yeah, he's he's a he's a couple of it. He changed his name. Yeah, that's really weird. Yeah, like he would have. I, I feel like his name is huge right now in a sort of a weird way, where like there's this weird uh, division between people who talk about Nicholas Cage. Like there's people like you who you're quite clearly a fan. Like beyond all the irony and the jokes you can make about him, you quite clearly like him and his. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I genuinely like the, the early nineties Nick Cage movies. I genuinely good. Like I, they're, they're, I'm not. I'm not watching them because they're ironically bad or because I think they're they're good in like a weird way. No, I just genuinely like them. There's a like I really like nineties action movies. I, I really like Con Air. I really like Face Off. Um, yeah. To a lesser degree, I even fucking love a movie like Broken Arrow or like yeah. you know like those. I I don't know. There's something about them, but um. Yeah, and then then there's the other half of Nicolas Cage fans who really just like the fact that he's a meme and makes funny faces and does obscene things. I'm both. Yeah, no, yeah, for sure. I'm, yeah. De- I'm definitely both. Yeah. But um, yeah, like it's it's strange. Like his name could be a much more respected one universally. I feel if it were Nicolas Coppola, because I like I just don't think that people would be comfortable casting a guy with Coppola in his name in a movie like Knowing. Like, yeah. which is just 90 minutes of fucking garbage. Like, it's one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life. But do you think the right recent Nick Cage is only doing the, the, the garbage movies because he's, he doesn't have any money? Or because... Yeah. yeah. He's, he, this is the out-of-touch with reality part of Nicolas Cage, believe it or not. It's none of the stuff we just said. <laughs> he... So he he was declared bankrupt, uh, or he declared bankruptcy, I should say, um, which I I would love to imagine was him walking into a room and shouting bankruptcy. <laughs> but um, no, doing it like on the Terry Rogan show. Yeah, somersaulting, okay, throwing money away, <laughs> then like asking for it back. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so he declared bankruptcy, and he was like, "All right, look, I'm financially fucked. Uh, my accountant led me astray for many years, um, and as a result of that, I, I don't have the, the money that I should have." So he took his accountant to court, and <laughs> Nicholas Cage got clotheslined by justice because his accountant was like, "All right." Here are the things he bought that I specifically ordered him to not buy. Are you ready for this list? Yeah, I right. think I know some of them, but yeah, go ahead. Okay, two albino king cobras. Mm-hmm. Well, that's just a that's just a practical purchase. I mean, a, a Gulfstream jet. Mm, yeah. yeah. Pygmy shrunken heads. Wow, you never know when you're going to need them. The first Superman comic. Well, that one's a good one. I'm mean, told you he's a big Superman fan. $1.6 million. Yeah. 
pricey. <laughs> a pyramid tombstone? Yeah. <laughs> a 67 million year old Tarbosaurus skull? <laughs> uh, okay. He outbid Leonardo DiCaprio for this, right? And he purchased it for $300,000. And then it turned out that it was um, uh, an object that was stolen from... Um, oh, I forget what country. It was stolen from, like, a, an Eastern European or a Middle Eastern country or something like that. And it, he had to, like, give it back. Like, it wasn't... You know, he couldn't legally own it. It was an artifact. Like, it's not something that someone can buy. Yeah. Um. Also an octopus, because how else are you going to learn how to act... Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, no, he did, we we already discussed he needed that, yeah, for practical reasons. Um, he also bought a shark. Acting as well, or just? No, uh, just you know, to why? Ride on. Why would he not have a shark? Yeah. Um, a crocodile. Well, you're gonna have you're gonna have an octopus and a shark. You might as well have a crocodile. It's true. Um, yeah. Also, a private island. Mm. A haunted murder mansion. <laughs> for three point. <laughs> Four or five million. Does he live in it, or did he like renovate it? For you know what, I he probably doesn't even know that he bought it. It's one of those Nick Cage past three a.m. purchases yeah. on eBay, wasn't it? Have you heard of the uh, Madame Lalaurie? Um, was um, a, like a serial killer. Like she was like um, a really high. She had a really high place in society. Um, and she'd invite people to her house or whatever, and then they'd end up murdered. It's it's, it's one of those ones that's like one of the uh, most famous sort of serial killer. Uh, yeah. Um, and he also bought the Shah of Iran's Lamborghini. Oh, because, yeah, I mean, an ordinary Lamborghini would be pricey enough. Yeah. You may as well just take it straight from, like, a shake, you know? So, like, just those things, that's probably, like... 12. But those weirdly are just the things that his accountant told him not to buy. Yeah, I'd love. Yeah, like yeah. what? Is, like, how much does a Gulfstream jet cost? Yeah. It's got to be a lot of money. Like, I don't know. Like, this is this is a guy who just has no fucking idea of what to do with his money, or yeah. you know, anything. Like, he is an absolute lunatic, and it's amazing. And I'm glad that he exists. Yeah. But it, but it is a, it is a thing like he probably does but it's because he's not that's not who he is anymore he, I know he changed his name he became Nicolas Cage but like it's almost like he is he he is this character of Nicolas Cage you know what I mean he's 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 living up to the again living up to the the character that he's almost created you know? I wonder though if he's so far gone that he just doesn't even know that he is that character right like I kind of think that he's that kind of guy where it's like he doesn't know that everyone's laughing at him you know like i i think there's probably a real awkward disconnect there between him and like his if he even has a publicist where like i I, i'd imagine that people are trying to tell him how to behave and he's like nah man people want to see somersaults
Hello, SoundCloud listeners. You're listening to Say Goodbye to Hollywood by Eminem from his best album, The Eminem Show, I think. Um, It's kind of just a song that does a really good job of pointing out how detached you can become from reality when you endure a celebrity lifestyle for a certain amount of time. And it's sort of a, a cry for help from a man who is very much tired of the life that he's living and uh, the struggles with fame and things like that it's a really good song to be fair uh, we opened up with california love which is like the opposite um it's sort of a song from the point of view of someone who just loves california and there is a couple of references to hollywood in that song as well so uh, that's obviously from tupac and dr dre i really like that song too i think it's pretty self-explanatory how this has gone and the contrast between the two songs should be pretty obvious if you're wondering why i put in a song in the middle of it it's because It's only for the SoundCloud listeners, but I know that a lot of people like stop listening and then come back to it at a later point, and this gives you a good reference point to go to and from uh, if that's the way that you listen to the show. Other than that, I hope you're enjoying the episode. If you are, leave a like and a repost or whatever it is, and enjoy the rest of the episode. Which is why we're going to move on to Tom Cruise. Yeah. So, what can we say about Tom Cruise? Where do we start, though? I mean, do we even touch on the Scientologies thing? The Scientologies? The Scientologist thing. Because like, that's a whole different... Did you know Once that you he... you start getting into religion and stuff, that's just... You know. He used to be... Um, he used to be in another religion. Uh, and I'm, I'm pretty sure it was like... I'm pretty sure that he, he used to be Protestant or, or Mormon or uh, one of the one of the main American religions. He used to be like fairly high up in his like uh, school group, like Cub Scout, like one of those things. Mm. He had like a I don't know. He sold enough cookies or something. Yeah, whatever. But he yeah. was like he was religious before Scientology too, which sort of hints to like some people. Um, that, don't they say that there's just a gene in your brain that makes you believe in God and stuff? Like maybe Tom Cruise has that on a higher level or whatever. But um, it makes sense that as he got more famous, he became a Scientologist because Scientology is a religion uh, of exclusivity and it's sort of a society. Like it's it, you know it, it's literally a cult. That's why it's a cult is that it, it drags you in with stuff like that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I I guess like it it's hard to talk about Scientology because we mentioned this on the cults episode, but what do you actually know about Scientology? Uh, me personally. Yeah. Uh, I know like it's about like the aliens, uh, and they like came down with a with a book, 
like a hundred years ago or some bullshit, and then uh, he, he just started sprouting off ideas. Uh, and is Elron or uh, yeah, Elron Hubbard, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, not a great deal. Just sort of like in passing, you pick up different things, you read different things. It's not something I've ever really sort of gone into and thought, you know what, I'm gonna take my time and learn about Scientology today, just because. I mean, it's it doesn't it doesn't it it's interesting in a way that like. Uh, you know, just some days, you know, I just I just want pancakes, um, but but that's because you know that's just. Uh, what are you talking about? I don't know. I think I'm having a Nicolas Cage meltdown. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think what I'm saying is that, like it's it's in it's it's like it's I know it's always going to be in the back of my mind like oh there's this thing out there called Scientology. Uh, that I can fall back on one day when I'm bored. I think that's where I'm going with it. Like, yeah. I know pancakes is always there. I don't have pancakes all the time, but I know I can have pancakes as a last resort, I think is what I'm trying to say. Is, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I know Scientologist is out there. I know it exists. And one day I'll Google it. Uh, yeah. At the moment, I've got other things to do. do you know I, what I, mean? <laughs> I really want to watch... Um, you know, Louis Theroux has made a documentary about it. But, like, it hasn't been published yet. It's only been um, screened at, like, festivals and stuff. So only, like, I don't know, a, a few hundred people have ever seen it. Yeah. But, like, I I, I know that it's going to be fucking amazing. Like, I really, really need to see it. And, I, I like, I don't feel like I can trust anything else to tell me about Scientology. Because even though I'm fairly convinced, based on the media perception of it, that it is um, an inherently bad thing... I still don't know enough about it to call it myself. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I, I can't just outright say it's bad because I don't know enough about it. And I find it to be a ridiculously tedious thing to try and research because it's full of shit. Like if you like go onto the Wikipedia page for Scientology and just start anywhere, like pick a sentence on it and start reading it and you will just lose interest straight away. It's the most boring shit. Like, I don't know. It's like, no, I won't say that because a lot of people probably like Lord of the Rings, but you know, it's just so fucking hard to read. I feel. Mm. I don't know. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Um, well, there's the movie The Master, which is I think that was based on Scientology, wasn't it? Or was based on Elmore Hubbard or something? Um, the movie with Joaquin Phoenix and somebody else. I can't remember who else was in that movie. Uh, but yeah, I, I did. I didn't even watch that movie because I'm just sort of like. Like I, it's it's. I'm sure it's fascinating, but like, what would it teach you? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, sometimes you can just watch a movie to watch it, but I feel like with movies that have an agenda, you have to be in on the agenda, or else you're just not going to enjoy it. No, there there's um, an allegation made against Tom Cruise that like, supposedly, um, he said to uh, one of the leaders of Scientology um, who was saying that, like, the kids are just not interested enough and Tom Cruise offered to beat the living shit out of them, apparently. All of the kids? Like, the, the ones that were just not acting uh, interested in right. Scientology. But that doesn't scream of the Tom Cruise I know. You know? <laughs> I really like Tom Cruise. Yeah, I just think that he is very, very far removed from reality, as we're gonna see in this clip. Oh, this is uh, Tom Cruise on David Letterman, and he's talking about how he climbs mountains and um, 
he's talking about specifically an incident where he's on an airplane, and uh, we'll take it from there. Anything like that ever happened to you? Have you ever had been woozy at altitude? No, but I, you know, I fly. I'm a pilot, and uh, I was uh, one time we were flying to Colorado, and I was flying this airplane that we had to go on oxygen, and uh, winds were better at a higher altitude, so I, we climbed up, and uh, I realized that we couldn't stay at that altitude if. Uh, on oxygen, I had to descend because I didn't have enough oxygen. Mm -hmm. So I had a passenger in the back. So we figured out, you know, me and a co-pilot, that if we turned the oxygen off from the back guy, that we could make it at this altitude. <laughs> so, so we, you know, it wasn't dangerous or anything, you know. <laughs> so, now, what, now what happened when you turned his oxygen off? Felt, he was very quiet. He felt, <laughs> He fell asleep. He fell asleep. <laughs> he slept the whole way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, but uh, you know, he's the kind of guy you wanted to have him sleep the whole way. You know, it's like just. But you know, but but honestly, looking at it from another direction, isn't that a isn't that attempted manslaughter? <laughs> you just turn a guy's oxygen off. You're lucky you're not doing time for the love of God. <laughs> he woke up. He did wake up, yeah. You know, when we were landing uh, on descent, he... My hands are... <laughs> <laughs> he said, my, geez, my hands are, <laughs> my hands are your old hands. <laughs> he, said, oh, he said, my hands are tingling. I, I slept the whole way. He said, must have been the way I was laying. <laughs> I said, yeah, must have been the way. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Wasn't getting enough oxygen to his brains. <laughs> oh my God! I know. Well, it's oh God. Funny now. Right. Mm. There is there is no story I think I could tell that would make me laugh that hard, especially when it's a thing that's already happened to me. Yeah. No, I agree. Like I, when you start laughing at things like that. Uh, that already happened from the past. There's never a sense of uh, that you you laugh again that hard. Like, yeah. I always think I laugh more in the moment at, at scenarios like that. Than yeah, I just think he's. Do you think that was an act? No. He's just genuinely laughing like a crazy person. Yep. At a story that happened. Ages ago. He is... Like, like there there are things in the world that I've experienced that have made me laugh that hard. Like, the way he can't control what he's saying and stuff. Like, you can tell his stomach was obviously... Like, his rib cage and stuff was obviously really sore after it and stuff. Yeah. And, like, I, I know that exact feeling. I, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've experienced But I've experienced it in the moment or... Yeah. And yeah like, shortly after, yeah. It's not even that funny. No. It's just, like, a story where it's like, yeah, so, like... 
I nearly killed a guy one yeah, time. Yeah, he turned the guy's oxygen off. Yeah. Yeah, and then he just he cannot handle it, and it's the most bizarre thing. Like I could watch interviews with Tom Cruise on a loop forever. Like there was that other one where. Um, I don't know, this, this, uh, fucking, some, some comedy production for the UK were doing this thing where they would interview people with joke, joke interviews or whatever. Um, and they were interviewing Tom Cruise, I think, was it around the time War of the Worlds came out or maybe Mission Impossible 2 or something like that? And they had like a, a microphone that was a water gun and they asked him a question and held the microphone up to him and he was like, yeah. And like, he was, he was into it and then they squirted him in the face and he just, the smile just dropped from his face and he was like, why would you do that? You're a jerk. You're an inconsiderate jerk and stuff like that. And he, like, he was visibly like really, really upset and stuff. And I don't, there's just something strange about his demeanor, I feel like. I, I feel like he is not on the same plane as everyone else. Yeah, but the else. thing is he's insanely watchable. Like, Oh, he's great. That's why he's so good in in movies is because he's just he's just so watchable. I actually think that he is not really in a whole lot of movies that I don't like. Like you know the movie Oblivion, right? It's standard sci-fi, but yeah. because he's in it, I just like it goes from like a six to an eight immediately. Like to me, Oblivion is an eight out of ten movie, and it shouldn't be. It's not that good. There's nothing really in it that's spectacularly done or anything like that. But the way that he I, I can't really say without spoiling it, but he just does some stuff in it that's really, really cool. He does all his own stunts as well, like at his well, it's own. Like the, it's like the uh, the Mission Impossible movies, like the last couple. I just standard fare sort of action movies, kind of. Yeah, but like they're insanely watchable and fun because Tom Cruise is in them. And then he he does like. I, I think War of the Worlds is a great movie too. Like, yeah. I to be honest, I don't get why people don't like it. I don't know what it is about it that makes people think it's not a good movie, but the scene with where um his daughter his daughter is uh, Dakota Fanning, isn't she in that movie? Yeah, that was like, one of her first one of her first things, wasn't it? Like, was, like I, lots of launch show maybe or something. I think so. I think it was her. But uh, like, I often get that confused with Signs. Uh, uh, signs was is... Signs with Dakota Fanning, or was that another movie? Uh, hold on, there's only one way to find this out, and that's googling War of the Worlds. <laughs> uh, War of the Worlds 2005. I'm sure it was Dakota Fanning. I am laughing, War of the yeah. Worlds. Um, it was, it was, thankfully. Um, but the scene where she's singing Lullaby Bay, and that crazy guy has seen the tripod spit the blood out of the humans that they've like eaten and dissected, and he goes fucking ballistic. They're they're in some basement somewhere. Yeah. Um, and he goes ballistic and he starts digging. He's trying to dig his way into the city and he's drawing so much attention. And Tom Cruise is in full dad mode, like protective dad mode. And he does something that you see The Walking Dead try to do all the time, where he makes a choice to uh, go beyond his normal humanity uh, and he has to protect his family. That's the number one thing. The world has changed killing people is not as big a deal as it was before and he picks up the shovel and he tells her to sing Lullaby Bay like yeah. sing that song and like that's a fucking great scene it's really really great because it starts out as the most tense scene in the movie as well because that eye thing follows them into the and they Basement. yeah, yeah. Oh, it's so good like it's so well done and, and that's because he's a fucking great actor and all the movies that he's in are great 
<laughs> like Minority Report. Uh, uh, that's a class movie. I, I don't yeah. get any of the hate for that either. It's great. Um, and also uh, Edge of Tomorrow. That's a great action movie. But I was thinking of Collateral, which um, we were talking about method acting earlier. But to prepare for the role in Collateral, he legit or uh, delivered FedEx stuff. Oh really? Yeah. Uh, to like crowded parties in LA and stuff. I I kind of disappointed that like Tom Cruise doesn't do more intense. Like I know he does a lot of action movies now, but like his early on years, he did a lot of like not comedies, but a lot of like uh, weirder movies. He's in Magnolia. Um, yeah, exactly. Um, and then now he kind of just sticks to those sci-fi sort of actiony things. But maybe because he makes the movies himself, kind of. I think Edge of Tomorrow, he kind of like pushed for that himself, and then. He's involved, obviously, with the Mission Impossible movies, so maybe he's just doing the movies he wants to do. But yeah, I, I wish he wasn't in the Last Samurai. I don't really like that movie. See, I think that's still watchable because it has Tom Cruise in it. I I don't like the fucking sword is bigger than he is, and like it, I hate the way they're like, oh yeah, this is a movie about uh, Japanese culture and Japanese history and heritage and stuff, and we're getting an American guy to be the best one out of all the ones. Like, <laughs> yeah. fuck off with that. Yeah. But um, yeah, I like I was never a fan. I I think Top Gun is just the lamest thing in the world. Top Gun is just that little bit too eighties. Like where Die Hard completely moved away from the eighties, despite being an eighties action movie. Top Gun just embraced it and is all like, yeah, just all out fucking garbage. To be honest, yeah. if it was a color. Top Gun would be neon fucking pink. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And that's not us saying that Top Gun is just gay diehard. It's no, it's not. It's, it's you know, Top Gun is an enjoyable enough movie, but yeah, it's very, very eighties. Yeah, like it, it will. That's why essentially they'll make a new one soon because it will just be so dated. Yeah, you know? I know. They are actually making a sequel to it, by the way. Oh really? Yeah. Mm. Um, do you have any celebrity that you want to talk about? Uh, well, we can talk. We can touch on you know Russell Crowe. Obviously, yeah, I thought that was. Um, I mean, the guy is just this is one of the best people ever, isn't he? Really, I mean. Yeah. Well, he did go a little crazy and move out to like rural uh, Australia and start his own farm for some kind of beets. I think it was. Yeah, beet beet farm. Yeah, it's beet farm. Uh, it's, it's still still going strong. Uh, there was obviously rumors that he he sold it and moved on, but it's. Someone hacked his Twitter and tweeted that. That's true. Did they? Um, he's, it's, it's still going. He's still the third biggest beat fan. Uh, it, well, the world. Um, uh, well, I suppose the universe as well. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yep, the universe as well. <laughs> <laughs> That's like, I would love to hear like Hulk Hogan like, oh yeah, like, I, I'm the best WWF champion in the history of the world, and well, I, I guess the universe too. <laughs> <laughs> That's the whole like Mister Universe thing is so is so stupid to me. The whole yeah. concept of Mister Universe, apart from the Mister Universe that's in uh, the newest Fast and Furious movie. Well, I think his name is Mister Nobody, so disregard that comment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the fact that yeah, the fact that like bodybuilders compete for Mister Universe is hilarious. I know. That's also the lamest fucking thing. Like, nothing says femininity to me, like, more than a man that, like, has to show how fucking strong he is and all this shit. I don't know. Yeah. But to be honest, like, I, I'm, i like, obviously not the most uh, masculine of people, but, like, 
just bravado and all of that stuff just really grinds my gears. Yeah, like, I can't stand it. Like, I can't stand it either. No, it just it just really annoys me. Yeah, like honestly, if you have to like yell from the rooftop rooftops how like manly you are, just sit or, down, sir. Or how how you want to make America great again? Yeah, just it's... sit down, sir. Just, you know. <laughs> Sit down, sir. You're embarrassing us. Yeah, you know, take a minute out. Like you're breathing heavy. Calm yeah. down. Yeah, it's like if you have to throw a phone at someone or uh, whatever Russell Crowe did. Yeah. Well, there's the there's the he he apparently apparently phoned his producer on the set of uh, Gladiator uh, and opened the conversation <laughs> with you motherfucker. I'll kill you. I'll kill you with my bare hands. But he did it. I guess he did it as. Maximus, so that would be that would be awesome if he did it in character as Maximus. I'm sure he did. You motherfucker! I'll kill you with my bare hands. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's definitely got that in him. I think. Yeah, uh, yeah. But it was. It was. It was Russell Crowe that was the subject of the fighting around the world South Park song, wasn't it? More than likely, yeah. I'm pretty sure it was. Like he had just this weird phase where I, I get him confused with Mel Gibson from time to time, but he obviously hasn't gone that far beyond the nor- the normal realm of a uh, celebrity or like mental, mentally insane person or whatever. Mm. Um, do you have any more Russell Crowe facts? Uh, well, it's just off the top of my head. Um. Oh, I can't remember the name uh, of the band he was in. Russell Crowe and the Glossal Twats? Was it? Was it? No, I think it was Big Russ. Oh, was maybe it, Big, it was, yeah. It was Big Russ. I think Big it was Russ, Big Russ and the Glossal Twats. Glossal Twats. Yeah, I mean, that's... I mean, it was celebrities from now and now and then, you know, that they, they branch off into different uh, areas. <laughs> for, for anyone that hasn't heard episode 20 of the Midnight Hour, go and check it out. Uh, I can't remember actually uh, whether I did any true facts in that episode, did I? Yeah, you did a few, yeah. Oh, did I? Uh, yeah. I think most of them. No, I was not saying that these, these are obviously real true Russell Crowe facts. Yeah, from his IMDb page. Yeah, everything about Russell Crowe is true. Everything you read about Russell Crowe ever and hear about Russell Crowe is true. Apparently he's like a really, really nice guy in real life. Yeah, no, I've seen him in, like, I've seen him in interviews like on the Graham Norton show and stuff and he's funny. Yeah, he's like, like down to earth and stuff. He's but, like uh, that's like the thing about celebrity and the lifestyles of the rich and the famous and like the whole fucking cult of personality that surrounds celebrities and stuff like that is you really have no idea what they are in real life. And like I like I've been lucky enough to sort of have a little bit of an a uh, 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 little bit of a peek behind the curtain, if you like. Like I I've met some famous people and like obviously I am famous. But that's why, like, there's a reason. Ah, this is I, your podcast. Yeah, like, there's a reason I go by the name Elden Hero and not my real name because, like, well, you've like, become the character, haven't you? Yeah, well, that's it. Like, when I'm out in public, like, one time I was on a bus and like there was no seats on it, and someone was like, "Are you Elden Hero?" And then, like, word had traveled, and then everyone was offering me their mm. seat, and there, it was, yeah. was just embarrassing, really. Yeah. But, uh, but you took you took one from the old woman, though, didn't you? That's right. Yeah. Well, she had it coming, but. Yeah. uh... Yeah, like, you, you don't know what celebrities are like, and it's really crazy to think that. Like, there's a real, like, way that they can harness that power to, like, get whatever they want, you know, like, drugs, and, like, like, R. Kelly was married to a 14-year-old at one point. Like, 
Now let's not delve into the R. Kelly. Like, yeah, um, I was going to open uh, the show with, we will not be discussing R. Kelly. But uh, yeah, it's just the way that you don't really know what someone is beyond the image that they project outwards. And that's so true with celebrities because they have the finances to back that whole thing up. Um, and I think um, that's why I'm so interested in people that sort of go to the brink of sanity like they do things that are like Kanye and like Conor McGregor like those are people that are just so fucking straight up like and they're they definitely belong where they are and that's why they're so interesting to me I feel like yeah I think I think Leonardo DiCaprio is someone else that everyone kind of finds fascinating don't they yeah Uh, I do anyway like he just but he one minute he's like the guy who's like saving the polar bears in the ice caps and like and then like well, he's not doing that for six... When he's doing that for six months of the year, for the other six months, he's just on a yacht enjoying the fact that the polarized caps are melting with, like, the whole uh, Russian uh, female gymnast team or whatever he's doing. <laughs> uh, That's so weird that you say that, right? Because um, there's a there's a shareholder that has been calling me, like, all week in work, and I'm just like... Um, I say all week, it's Tuesday, uh, all of last week as well, and and I, I am continuing to duck their calls because I don't have good news for them, but today I said, if this person calls for me, tell them I've absconded with the Russian ballet team, because of that scene <laughs> from The Dark Knight, yeah, and that yeah, was yeah. like the only thing that is so weird that you say exactly that today, like that yeah. that's fucking weird, because I said that like six hours ago in work, but um, yeah, like, uh, and DiCaprio was like, oh, no woman under the age of 20, or over the age of 25 is ever going to be seen with me lol yeah that's kind of weird too but like yeah i'm totally fascinated by everything about him like how could you not be yeah but i find like the the total like you know rick flair yeah almost yeah i mean personally (laughs) (laughs) like did you know that he was an orphan but like not just an orphan like he was like fucking an illegal like black market baby that was bought by some weird like wrestling adoption ring thing like he's had like the weirdest life ever he was like grown specifically to be a wrestler yeah that's right he's grown in a weird lab he just has like the strangest life like i don't know like you know when you see him in the ring and stuff and like he's elbow dropping his jacket and things like that mm-hmm. like there's a lot i i don't really know but uh th- there's there's some stuff that reckon like his, his parents apparently just straight up abandoned him and like he was forced into some weird like, <laughs> i was gonna do a really weird inappropriate woo uh, <laughs> that <laughs> abandoned him <laughs> yeah I, like I, I i really am interested in people like rick flair but then i'm also just super fascinated by the fucking totally like upper like leonardo dicaprio types and i, I guess a perfect place to end the episode would be to talk about frank sinatra because he's the ultimate he's the fucking greatest guy in the world um i i think when you think about hollywood and lifestyles of the rich and famous and like what encapsulates fame and sort of exclusivity and class and things like that you think of frank sinatra even though he wasn't a particularly classy guy he was very very working class um but he sort of did everything and he could have been anything and there's he's one of the greatest people like i I absolutely love frank sinatra um his son frank sinatra jr got kidnapped when he was 19 and the guys asked for 240 grand and frank was like i'll give you a million um 
and they were like, no, we just want we just want 240k. And he was like, all right. Um, and because they had to do all of this business by payphone, uh, Frank Sinatra got like really paranoid that he would uh, run out of money and stuff like that. So he would carry a bag of dimes with him everywhere he went. And like he was buried with dimes in his pocket and stuff. Like I just love that story. Like he, like supposedly he, even though he cheated on his wife, uh, his wives a lot. Like he was very much a ladies' man. Apparently he was a really, really, really good dad, and like he really loved his kids and stuff. And like it's no surprise to me that a man in his position would offer stuff like that. But I just find it very touching that he wasn't like, I'll give you two hundred. <laughs> so like he was just a batter with them. Yeah, he was just straight up like, low. yeah, my son's life is on the line here. Like whatever you want, it's yours. You know, like it's the fact that he carried dimes around with him forever is just so endearing to me. Like I, I really, really think he was just a great guy. But um, he was uh like a, a great actor by all accounts. Um, it's, well, for the time anyway, like, I know he had issues with, like, method acting and he hated Marilyn Brando and stuff. Did you know that he was arrested in 1938? No. He was arrested for, uh, seduction and adultery. He was arrested for seduction? Yeah. How do you get arrested for seduction? Because in, in the 1930s, I think womanizing was a crime or something. And he was so good at it that he broke the law? Yeah, apparently so. Apparently he, like, messed with a single woman. I, I, I don't know. I guess she must have been somebody to somebody important. Right. But uh, that's, like... It, it, it's really cool with Sinatra, too. Like, he had all these ties to the mafia because he was uh, a man of, like, Italian-American heritage. And at the time, I guess in the 30s and stuff like that, you obviously had uh, major uh, gangster players in, like, politics and stuff. But, um... He he was like really close friends with uh, I don't know if he was really close friends with Bugsy Siegel, but I think he hung around with those types of guys and uh, Carlos Gambino from the Gambino family, uh, who recently had a kid called Childish Gambino. Who's yeah a... <laughs> yeah yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but I think then... the thing is like it's not it's not strange to think about that though that they they would be in the same circles just because you know at the height of New York or the height of where they were Chicago L A or wherever. Uh, those guys had money, so you know it's not it's not weird to think that they would hang out in the same clubs or to hang out in the same yeah places, so yeah know? and but then uh, like there's you know um in the Godfather uh, is it is Johnny Fontaine the name of the crooner in that uh, possibly I think it's something like that isn't it I, oh, I'm sure it's Fontaine I'm pretty sure it's Fontaine he, he's allegedly based on Sinatra a lot of the stuff in The Godfather is pulled from uh, real life gangster stuff um, but there's uh, the horse's head in the bed scene in uh, The Godfather was that's it, the horse's head was put in the bed of a movie producer so that he would cast Fontaine in the movie. Isn't that how the story went? Something like that, yeah. So, like, apparently that's um, a metaphor for how Sinatra got his role in Gone with the Wind. Um, and it, it's not a... Ex- no one put a horse's head in someone's bed, but, like, that. It, apparently it's it's something like that. Um, yeah. Because of his ties with the mob, and that's how he got that role. But then, in the 60s, when JFK was going for um, the Democrat seat... Uh, Sinatra became friends with him and JFK had a huge anti-mafia movement and Sinatra sort of helped out apparently so the mafia ended up hating um, uh, Sinatra and the FBI had like a fucking four decade long surveillance thing on Sinatra but it's just the way he did fucking everything like from the mafia to like 
dating Marilyn Monroe uh, and like hanging out with the president and helping the president take down the mob, like being in movies like Gone with the Wind and stuff like that. Like he is the fucking just. I, I have a similar thing with like Elvis as well. Like anything you read about Elvis in like the late sixties, early seventies, is just fascinating. Like the president, like I think the president. One of the stories about Elvis, the president gave him a uh, a medal and like made him a sheriff or so, like a weird, just like because he's so he was so big, uh, and Elvis, uh, like the president was such a fan. Uh, the president just the president of the United States of America gave Elvis like a sheriff's badge. Yeah, or just and, and like it was obviously nothing. A not real sheriff's badge, but you've got to be so out of touch with reality to, to know that like gave... that gives him a sheriff's badge. He's gonna take it and be like, "Man, I'm real proud of this." <laughs> he he was uh, Elvis hated drugs. That's what it was. Um, and he he was given some honorary position uh, to help the government take uh, win the war on drugs or something like that. But the thing about Elvis was that he hated drugs. But he fucking loved prescription drugs. Oh yeah, he was addicted to them. Yeah. yeah. Also, uh, Elvis was um, also involved with lots of fourteen-year-old girls, so yeah. sort of loses a lot of cool points for yeah. that, in my opinion. Well, he, he is like he met his wife when she was like, mm, however old she was. Yeah. For, I, then, I think then apparently waited. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. It's grim. Yeah. That's why Sinatra is so much cooler than Elvis. Like, That's Sinatra... why they call Elvis the R. Kelly of the 60s. <laughs> <laughs> um, Frank used to hang around with... I'm on first name basis with Sinatra. Oh, yeah, Frank. I call it, yeah, Frank. Uh, all blue eyes, uh, as I affectionately know him as. Um, yeah. I think people have also started using that to describe him, which... Hey, whatever. respectful, to be honest. Yeah, in fairness. I started that whole thing. But... um. He used to hang around, obviously, with Sammy Davis Jr. and the Rat Pack and stuff. Um, and during the 60s, Sinatra gave lots of talks about equality and how racism is fucking stupid and stuff like that. Um, he like he, he would constantly do um, have little lyrics in songs. Like Not a lot of uh, Sinatra written songs made it to Sinatra's singles. A lot of the songs he sang were actually written by other people. But um, there's uh, one of his songs, he says um, something like, the, the children in the playground, the faces that I see, all, ra- all races and religions, that's America to me. Which, uh, like, I think at, at that time, that would have been really difficult as one of the most famous people in the world to do. But he just straight up was like, yeah, obviously, like, people can be black, that's fine. Like, he would always sing with, like, Billie Holiday and... Uh, Nat King Cole and stuff like that. Yeah. And he would never, ever, ever play at venues where they had, like, an, an anti-black um, thing. Like, you know the way uh, in the 60s it was fine for places to be, like, no blacks, yeah. no Irish, no dogs. With Sinatra was like, yeah, fuck, I'm not playing your place. <laughs> fuck that. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. There's something just incredible about him. I'm sure... People will flood the comment section with bad things he's done, but don't ruin the illusion for me. He's one of the greats. Yeah. Apparently my grandma saw Frank Sinatra in London in the 1950s. She went to see a concert in the 1950s. Frank, like, in, like, a bar. Not a bar, like a club or something. In the 1950s in London. And, like, she told me that a few years ago, and I was like, you what? (laughs) I was like, you went to see Frank Sinatra? She's like, yeah, I was in London at the time, and he was there. I was like, how far away from me? Like from him, were you? And she said, like, oh, not very far. And you're just like, oh, okay. 
Just like just a weird sort of like just offhanded sort of like, yeah. I was a few feet away from Frank Sinatra. Saw him at club. He was singing. Oh, that's like a weird. Like you would say, why haven't you brought that before? But I guess it's one of those things where if I don't ask, I guess have you ever met Frank Sinatra? I guess she's never gonna say. She's never gonna say anything. But it's just a, a weird yeah. Like that blew my mind. Like you know that could, that where we live like that could ever happen you know but yeah it's very strange i don't um i like i think there's something about i i i've just come up with this theory so i may be wrong right so you're not quite thought it through but you're gonna say it anyway yeah like most things i say on this fucking podcast (laughs) um sinatra retired in uh 69 and left with the song my way and that was his like goodbye um and then he came back to music for another 25 years. And I think there's something about people who retire early and then come back. And, like, Jay-Z is one of the best rappers. Well, like, he'll go down as one of the... not Maybe not one of the best rappers in terms of his technique, but just in terms of his fucking superstardom, like, Jay-Z is up there. Like, he's one of the one of the wealthiest, um, like, self-made millionaires in, in rap. Yeah, uh, and then and then there's like Michael Jordan and stuff like that. I I just feel like there's kind of a trend there with people who retire early and then come back and are like, wait a minute, I actually really liked what I was doing, and then they get better at it or whatever. Yeah, Paul Scholes. Yeah, it's the only one I can think of. <laughs> yeah, no, but you, I know what you mean. Yeah, the the whole fascination with uh Michael Jordan, like you know, uh, retiring at the very very top and then coming out of retirement and being kind of just as good. Brock like, Lesnar going back to the WWE. Yeah, Brock Lesnar coming back to WWE. If it being better, you know. Goldust guys like that. <laughs> Goldust was fucking better than ever when he came back. Oh yeah. But, um, uh, well, he's one of the greatest, isn't he? Uh, I don't know any others, but yeah, I'm sure there are others. There must be something in that. Yeah. <laughs> There's definitely something new. The fact we haven't done any research to like back up the claim is letting us down. But I'm sure uh, between now and when you release this to to air on Friday, you can like put in in like a in the caption bit. You can be like, and here are some other examples. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So that was our episode on the lifestyles of the rich and the famous and strange celebrity lifestyles and how celebrity can affect your personality, I guess, and your mindset. We're ending with Frank Sinatra's LA is my lady to compliment the little sort of monologue I had about Sinatra at the end. He's like always been someone who I've just thought was incredibly cool. And uh, this song is about LA from the point of view of a man who has seen and done it all in LA. He's been Tupac in the California Love song and he's been Eminem in the Say Goodbye to Hollywood song and now he's just being an awesome guy who's always welcome there and will always have his place at the height of uh, of LA celebrities and 
Hollywood lifestyle and everything like that. So I hope that all makes sense. I think thematically that fits pretty well with the episode. I hope you guys liked the episode. If you did, leave a like and a repost or whatever it is that you do. And tune in in two weeks from now where we will have a new topic, probably a new guest, and probably lots of fun. I've been Aldo Nero. Thanks for listening. December. It may not have lasted, but each time I thought it was heaven. You name it, I've been there and back, looking for someone who I'd be faithful to. L.A. is my lady, she's always there for me. care for me she's good to me yeah she's good to me and that's why Bags and hang around here a little while longer.